if you don't write it down, within how many hours? 48 hours. So you hear something on Sunday morning, by Tuesday morning, it's completely gone unless you wrote it down. That's why we give you the handouts, we give you the pens. Everybody has got to take notes today because today is actually the most important week in the Crazy Maker series. Because today we are going to wrap up everything that we've been talking about for the past several weeks. And we're going to tie it all together. We're going to summarize what we talked about. But most importantly, we are going to make a pledge together, a commitment of our behavior when we walk out these doors in the face of the crazy makers in our lives. What you may have noticed throughout this series, maybe you were expecting me that I was going to come here and talk about different kinds of people and why they're crazy and how they should be less crazy. But if you've been following along, you notice I haven't actually been talking about the crazy makers at all. The person that I've been focusing on in this series is you and is me. Because the crazy makers are never going to stop making us crazy. That's what makes them crazy makers. And we are not here talking about how they need to change. We're here talking about how we need to change so that we can deal with the crazy makers in our lives. Said another way, the strategy of dealing with crazy makers has a lot less to do with them. It has a lot more to do with me. And today, we're going to see that very, very, very clearly. But just to kind of recap and make sure we're all on the same page of what a crazy maker is, a crazy maker is someone who makes us crazy. And as we've been going through this series, you've seen that each one of us has different people in our lives that make us crazy. Like there's some kinds of people that drive you crazy, some that drive me crazy. All of us are driven crazy by different kinds of people. And I feel like the best way to address the crazy makers is to first identify who the crazy makers are in your life. So we're going to go through and we're going to try to identify who the crazy makers are. You don't need to point at them, okay? You can simply identify them in your mind. And I'm going to talk about the different categories of crazy makers, and you'll see that some of them may rub you a little bit more different than the other ones. The first kind of crazy makers, I'm going to go through these quickly, are the demanders of life. You know the demanding people? The little Napoleons, the little dictators, the little people who are bossy, who are pushy, and who always want something from you at all times. They shout out orders. They're controlling. If they're ever in a conversation, the conversation has to be centered around them. They dominate any setting that they're in. For some of you, those people drive you crazy. And you just spot them and you, you, you smile at them, but they're driving you crazy. How they are always got to be the dominant one in every situation. Second, the disapprovers, the nitpickers, the highly critical people who no matter what you do, it's never good enough for them. They're negative, they're judgmental, they're unpleasable people who no matter what you do, they can find something wrong with it and you just want to throw them out the window. These people like to make themselves feel good by making you feel bad, and they can find something wrong with everything. Third is the exploders, okay? The exploders, and everyone knows the exploders. And the exploders are the people who explode like volcanoes. They're the people who you kind of tiptoe around them because you know if you set them off, boom, it's an exploder, and you just can't understand why they can't just explain it to you nicely. Why they have to yell and scream and throw stuff. If they just explained it nicely, you'd get it and everything would be fine. You hate these people. Fourth is the overly sensitive people. You all know an overly sensitive person, don't you? You got to tiptoe around them, but in a different kind of a way. Because if you don't watch your words and you say the wrong thing, they get their feelings hurt very easily. They're very thin-skinned, and you didn't mean it. You just said it joking. You didn't mean it. And next thing you know, you got a crisis on your hand in the middle of your family. These people always have a reason to be upset. And then the fifth one is the loudmouths. And there's no picture for this one, okay? The loudmouths, we all know a loudmouth. Loudmouth are people who just talk too much. Okay, these are the megaphones of life. They always win every argument just because they won't stop talking. Okay, so at the end, you're like, okay, you win. Whatever it is that you want. Okay, we all know a loud mouth. I don't know why there's no picture for this one. The people who made the PowerPoint, they didn't put a picture for this one. I'm not really sure why. There's no loud 
Rough day at the well today. Rough day at the well. <laughs> today, we want to go through a summary. We want to summarize and make pledges together. We're going to make six commitments together. I've got to get this guy off here. Okay, we're going to start with number one. We're going to make six commitments together. And you are going to pledge to make these six commitments in your life. And I promise you, if you do these six things, then the, the level of stress and anxiety and relational unhealthiness in your life, it will change dramatically. The first one is I will refuse to be offended. Everybody should be taking notes on something or other right now. I will refuse to be offended. Trust me, you're going to want these notes because you don't want to keep on holding on to what we're talking about here today. These six start easy and get harder. All right? They start easy and they get harder. The first one is I will refuse to be offended, as I said, meaning no matter how insulting or obnoxious or demeaning or ridiculous you might be, I will not take it personal. I won't take it personal. Sometimes it'll be really hard because I know that it's, e it's easy to take things personal and she meant this or he meant that, but I will not, I refuse to be offended. You know why you need to refuse to be offended when someone insults you or demeans you or criticizes you or just drives you crazy? I promise you, their crazy-making behavior says more about them than it says about you. And you have to realize that. That person's behavior isn't saying that you're bad or that you got a problem. It's saying that they have a problem. And you need to start to interpret it as such. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. I like that word overlook. And we're going to see that a couple times in the book of Proverbs. It talks about overlooking an offense of another. And the Bible says that's a wise way to live. Why? Why should I care? Why is it to my glory to overlook an offense? Why should I not be offended? I'm not saying you shouldn't be offended by things in life. I'm saying be offended by the right things. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of things in life that should be very offensive to us. And we shouldn't be wasting our time being offended by little dinky little things. There's a lot of things that are much more offensive. Injustice in the world, that's offensive to me. Bullies are offensive to me. Kids who have to sleep without a house because they don't got a mom or a dad. That's offensive to me. People who sell the young girls as sex slaves and that's sex trafficking, that's highly offensive to me. Those are things that should be offensive to you as well. Not someone cut me off on the highway. Who cares? Not the waiter was rude. Who cares? Not the clerk acted funny. He's a crazy maker. That's how he's supposed to act. Yeah, he may be a jerk, but that's how, that's how he is. I refuse to take it personal, and I refuse to be offended. What we need to pray for, if you struggle with this, here's what I want your prayer to be tonight. God, give me thicker skin and a tenderer heart. Not the opposite, because we usually do the opposite. We have thin skin, we have tender skin, and a thick heart. We need to be the opposite. Please, God, give me thick skin and give me a tender heart. I've always said that maturity to me, the definition of maturity, is knowing what's important and what's not important. Being a mature person is knowing what matters and what doesn't matter. Those things that I listed as offensive, those things matter. Somebody said something, didn't invite you to the party, defriended you on Twitter, like, <laughs> that stuff doesn't matter. I refuse to be offended. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16. Again, says, fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Which one are you? Draws two extremes. Which one are you closer to? Fools, insult them, they let you know about it right away. Tit for tat. Insult, insult. A wise person is above that, and it's to his glory to overlook an offense. You know why this is so important? Here's like my mental picture that I always think of. When somebody says something to you, you want to do your best to have a rain slicker on your heart. You know what a rain slicker is? Okay, a rain slicker, them, those yellow coats, them rain slickers. A rain slicker 
The water hits it and does what? Slides right off. Hits it and slides right off. And you could be out in the rain and rain, 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 slides right off. That's how we need to be. And somebody would say something or offend us or whatever. We can't let everything seep inside. Like if you, if, if, if you, I'm having this problem with my house right now is that we have the wood and it's not sealed properly. The water gets in. It's a disaster. If the water gets in on the inside, it's a disaster. And same thing emotionally. We need to let that stuff bounce off. And I guarantee you this. You want me to tell you something about your crazy maker in your life? You hate their behavior. They hate it even more. You hate it. They hate it even more. You think anyone wants to be critical? Think anyone says, I want to be the most judgmental person in the world? I want to be the most obnoxious person in the world? Don't look at your spouses, please. <laughs> we said identify them in your head. Not, not, not the elbow is not going to work here. Nobody wants to be a crazy maker. Who are the most hurtful people? I told you all this before. Hurt people? Hurt people. Who are the most hurtful? The people who are the most hurt. Who are the most critical? People who are the most criticized. Who are the most judgmental? The people who have the lowest self-esteem. I promise you, they hate their behavior more than you do. Don't take it personal. It's not about you. It's about them. Learn to make excuses. Say, you know what? I told you all this before. When I became a priest and I started to know people much more, the people that you judge the most are the people that you know the least. Let me say that. The people you judge the most are the people you know the least. Because once you get to know them and you see that, you know what, man, this guy in his circumstances, maybe this guy, like this guy's rude. Who knows what happened to this guy at home this morning? Who knows his kid just yelled at him? He knows that uh, his wife just ran off with someone else. Who knows her husband every day demeans her and makes her feel about that little. And maybe that's why she's a little bit sharper of tongue. Man, if I was in those circumstances, I'd even be more annoying. The more you understand about a person, the more you can overlook. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says, this is what real love is, people. Real love isn't to love loving, lovely people. Real love is loving unlovely people. Hatred stirs up strife. Love covers sins. Hatred stirs up strife. Love covers sins. That's the first step. We are going to commit. You're going to pledge. that I refuse. I will not be offended. Second step. I refuse to wait for an apology. I'm telling you, you should be taking notes because we're going to hit hard today. I refuse to wait for an apology. Meaning, I will forgive you before you've apologized. And I refuse the temptation to say, I have to wait for an apology. I refuse that. A wise person knows that the number one thing you can do to sleep easier at night is learn to forgive. You want to sleep easy at night? Learn to forgive without waiting for an apology. When you don't forgive someone, we have in our mind, this person hurt me, so I can't forgive them because they can't get off that easily. Okay? So what you're saying is that person hurt you last week, and you have chosen they're going to hurt you again tonight, and then the next day, and then the next day, and then the next day, and as long as you hold on to it, you ain't hurting them. You're hurting yourself. You are, have no effect on them. But it's only yourself that you're holding yourself captive and allowing, you've allowed them to hurt you once, don't allow them to hurt you again. Let them go and forgive. Because realize that A, they're a crazy maker, so they're probably not going to say sorry, and B, they may not even realize that they offended you as such. And I'm going to be honest with here on, on you on this one. Like, let's be honest. I am sure that I have offended you if I have a relationship with you at some point in time in some way, shape, or form. True or false? Don't all say it. Okay? I've offended you without even knowing it. And you've probably offended me without even knowing it. And we all offend each other all the time without even realizing it. So if we are going to all wait for apologies to let stuff go, then we're all going to be fighting with each other and killing each other. We've got to learn to let stuff go. I think something happened. Let me back in church. Jesus did that in the most dire of circumstances, didn't he? What did Jesus say in Luke chapter 23, verse 34? When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
I, I struggle with this one. I say, you know what? No, Jesus, they did know what they were doing, and you shouldn't forgive them. That's what love does, makes excuses. And then I thought about it at an even deeper level. Did they know what they were doing? They didn't have the faintest idea. They didn't have the faintest idea that was God incarnate on that cross who was hanging there and was dying for their sins. They're killing him. He's dying for their sins. They had no idea. And the crazy maker in your life has no idea. His word, the effect that that had on you. He had no idea. That's the excuse we got to make. Don't take it personal. Don't wait for an apology. Let it go. When you look at this verse and you see how it went this way, the forgiveness came this way, now it's our job to pass that same forgiveness on. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 to 15. He's saying, I am very happy to say, Father, forgive you and you and you because they know not what they do. But here's what I need you to do. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. It's the same verse where Jesus said, for the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you're someone who says, forgive them, they know not what they do, then the Father is happy to do that with us. But if you're someone who says, no, I'm going to hold on every word, God's going to say, I'm going to hold on every word too. That's dangerous stuff. That's what I'm saying. We get to forgiveness. We ain't messing around here. We're not talking about read the Bible more and pray more. We're talking about forgiveness of sins. And we're talking about not just living a peaceful life here on earth and a stress-free life. We're talking about eternity. You want God to make excuses for you? Make excuses for others. You want God to hold on to everything? It's up to you. Why is it we struggle with something that we know we're supposed to do? I don't want to make light of this, and I don't want to say it like, you know, nonchalantly, like just forgive. I know with some people that forgiveness is a big deal. I know some of you have been really hurt, and I got no doubt. Some of you have been hurt physically. Some of you have been hurt emotionally. I know some of you are really hurting from something that some crazy maker has done in your life. And I don't want to just snap my fingers and say, just forgive them. But realize you're confusing two things. Forgiveness isn't the same as restoring the relationship. Forgiveness isn't the same as trust. When I say you need to forgive them today, you need to forgive them today because that's what the word of God says. But you don't need to be best friends with them today. And in fact, sometimes it's in your best interest to never speak to them again. But you have to forgive them. How's that work? Let's say you got a, um, you know, um, a friend or someone who is always taking advantage of you, all right, and they, they hurt you. Let's say they talk about you behind your back, all right, and they, and they badmouth you and they ruin your reputation. You have to forgive that person because Jesus said let it go means let it go. But then they come and ask you for your secrets. You don't need to, be, you don't need to tell them your secrets. You don't need to show them your, your diary or your journal. You need to be wise as serpent, but harmless as doves. Harmless as dove means forgive, don't hold on to nothing. Wise as serpents mean maybe stay at a distance. And that's why I always say, Jesus commanded us to love everyone, but not to like everyone. And there's certainly nothing wrong with loving that person and praying that God gives them a job on the other side of the world. Forgiving and forgetting are not the same, okay? Forget that idea that if I forgive, I have to forget, and I can't forget, so I can't forgive. No. Somebody abused you as a child, forgive them, but you, I'm going to say you're going to forget it. Forget that you were, like, logic says no. And I'm saying for your own safety, sometimes you have to not forget. This ain't easy, I know. Colossians 3.13, look what it says. It says, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against one another, here's what you keep in mind. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Not it's a good idea, or not if you get around to it. As Christ forgave you, you also must do. If you struggle with forgiveness, and like I said, I know some people this is a big deal. Realize this, your forgiveness. Forgiveness is one long chain. It's all tied together. Your forgiveness as God is connected to you offering forgiveness to one another. It's all one chain. So you want to throw the whole chain away? Be my guest. But if you want this link, you better make sure you have this link because it's all tied together. And ultimately, your forgiveness with the Father is connected with your ability to forgive your brother.
Number one, what's the first thing? I'm going to make you say this now. Because now I'm going to rely not just on you hearing, but I'm going to rely on you writing and on you saying. Number one, the first commitment that we will make. Say it all together. I refuse. I refuse to be offended. Number two, I refuse. Number three, I refuse to gossip. I told you we're going to get harder. I told you we're going to get harder. But we are going to live the right way in our relationships because we know that we need peace in our lives. Not only am I not going to get offended, not only am I not going to hold on, I'm not even going to talk about it. Is that easy? Because you, it's a groan over the crowd of no. You offend me. And because I'm a good Christian, okay, I nod, okay, yeah, thank you very much. And I pull out my phone, I send a text message to everyone and their mother, okay. <laughs> we, when we get offended, we want, we want to fire back, but we don't fire back. But then we need to retaliate in some way, shape, or form. So we want just, just, I just want you guys to know how crazy those people are, okay. And if you guys agree that they're crazy, I'll feel better about myself. So at least we'll all know that they're crazy. And then we can all smile and nod at them and shake their hands and then talk about them behind their back and we all feel much better. I'm with you. It's fun to talk about people behind their backs. It is fun. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. Let's not pretend we're all, we're all saints on earth. We're all angels. It is nice when someone makes you feel bad to tell the whole wide world how annoying and obnoxious they are. Bottom line, it's against the Bible, though. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. What is gossip? What is gossip? How would you define it? Because I discovered we all have loose definitions of gossip. No, it wasn't gossip. I was just venting. I wasn't gossip. I was just sharing a prayer request. What's gossip? Gossip is any time you are talking to another person about a situation, and that person is either A, not part of the problem, or B, not part of the solution. Then it's gossip. Did you get that? If I'm talking to you about something where you're not part of the problem, or you're not part of the solution, it's gossip. If you're part of the problem, that's good. That's loving, that's confronting and love. I have a problem with you. You have, like, that's fine. Or if you're part of the solution, say, you know what? I'm reaching out to this guy. Maybe you can talk some sense into this person. That's okay. But I'm just talking to you about something that has nothing to do with you. That's gossip. And gossip is deadly. You know what gossip is? I used to say, <clears throat> in the, when I was the headmaster of the school, okay, and I was running the school, okay, I used to tell the staff, this is one of our seven core values. We don't gossip. I used to tell the staff, gossip is a fireable offense. You can be fired for it. Now, I never actually had to do it. And someone asked me, would you? Yeah. I mean, if it kept up, maybe you get a warning, but I'm saying, I don't know. I was in that situation. But to me, the two things, gossip and lying, those are the two. Those are fireable offenses. Imagine if in your workplace... Gossiping was a fireable offense. Yeah. Be a lot more people at the unemployment line, wouldn't there? We've just become used to them. But gossip, you know what gossip is? You know why to me it's a fireable offense and why I hated it? In, in, especially in, in a team setting. Gossip. You know when you go to the beach and you're on vacation and you don't clean off the sand when you come back in and sand gets in the sheets? And you know you spend the whole week and you can't get the sand out of the sheets. You know that feeling of like no matter how many times I do like this and I do like this, you can't get the sand out? That's gossip. Gossip is the sand in your bed. It can't, once it's in, it won't come out. And you try and you, you try, but once it's there, once I, that's it. It's never going anywhere. It's staying. And that's why to me it's a fireable offense. Gossip is destructive and it spirals out of control. I punch you in the face, and then you punch me back in the face, it's done once our fists stop flying, we hug, we make up, that's it. If I say a word about you behind your back, 
and that word's going to keep on traveling. And it's gotten out of my control, and there's nothing I can do to bring that word back. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. I refuse to gossip, and you refuse to gossip too. Commitment number one, I refuse. Number one, I refuse. Number two, I refuse. Number three, I refuse to gossip. And number four, I refuse to play their game. I refuse to play their game. You know what their game is, right? You know how the game works. It's all a game. They're playing a game with you. And they're trying to sucker you in to play their game. And they're trying to kind of lead you on, say, and get you to come back. And they would love for you to respond to their email. They would love after they posted that to your wall for you to post back to their wall because they're ready for a response to go back to your wall. They would love for you to play this game. But I will not play this game, and you will not play this game. Here's the problem that we have with crazy makers. Someone comes to me, and they are crazy. So I think to myself, I'm a logical person. You're a logical person. So therefore, you came at me with this. I will explain to you logically why you are incorrect, and everything will be fine. But here's the problem. The crazy makers didn't come to their crazy decision or their crazy conclusion based on logic. You can't logic someone who didn't start with logic. Like you're trying to reason with someone who's not discussing things based on reason. Their decision of being crazy is based on emotion or based on a bias or a prejudice. You cannot, if someone is racist, you cannot logic someone out of racism. You cannot logic someone out of prejudice. And that's the problem that we have with our crazy makers is we are trying, as they attack us, to logically explain to them why they should leave us alone. But that doesn't work. You're playing the wrong game. I discovered this personally, is that there are just some people in life that just don't like you. And nothing you say is going to make them like you. And in fact, my theory, the more you logically explain to them why they should like you, the more they hate your guts. Because they just want to hate you. And as much as they just want to hate you and you convince them, there's really no reason to hate me, that makes them hate you more. Because they wish there was a reason. And that's who was the master at this was Jesus. They tried to sucker Jesus so many times, the Pharisees. They hated his guts. They hated him because they couldn't catch him in doing something wrong. And everything he did was legit. And it was integrity. And that's why they hated him. Because they want to tell the people, no, see, he's bad. But he didn't give them a reason to play to show that he's bad. He wouldn't play their game. They would try to trick him. Look at this verse. Matthew 22, verse 15 and 18. And the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. They tried to throw a fastball at him to get him to say something. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Jesus wouldn't fall for it. He wouldn't fall for it. He knew that they weren't really listening to him. Some people would say, how come Jesus didn't explain to them the truth in love? You know why? Because he knew they were crazy makers. And he knew they weren't really listening. That they were just coming at him and just trying to trip him. They weren't, if someone, really, like the Samaritan woman, said, hey, I don't understand this worship thing. Should we worship here, worship there? No, let's sit down, let's have a discussion. Because you're open to listening, let's sit and talk. I got all day. Hey, nothing more important to me than talk to you. But you just coming to try to trip me up? You just come to get me to play this game. I ain't playing that game. He walked away from them. He never allowed them to trip him up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, this is how we should respond to their game. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways, a.k.a. the game. We don't play the game. We're not involved in the Facebook game, the Twitter game, the email game, the texting game. We're not playing the game. We've renounced those secret ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting, truth, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What St. Paul is saying right here, he said, look, I ain't wasting my time, I ain't wasting my breath. I will deal righteously with you. And whatever you want to do, you do. It's between you and God. In front of God, I will be honest. I'll be a man of integrity. 
won't gossip. I will free, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stoop. And then the rest, I'll let my actions speak for me, not my words. Why this is so important not to play the game. I'm going to tell you another theory I have. Okay. I'll tell you another theory I have. My theory is that the people who play the game, the criticizing people, the disapproving people. You want to know why they're haters? Why they're critical? I feel like each one of us, every human being on this earth, has a deep need for some combination of approval, feeling successful, feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm good at something. They have a, like a need to have like good self-esteem. Everyone has that need. That's not bad. Problem is, is you can't find approval. You substitute attention for it. If I cannot get approval from the world, then I will get attention. Look, go back to when, go look at high school kids. They are seeking approval, and because sometimes they don't find approval from their parents or their peers, then they say, you know what, next best thing is attention. And that's why they may dress funny or talk funny or do stuff funny to seek attention because they can't get approval. And I got, I got news for you. Forgive me. Forgive me. But there are some adults today that have less maturity than high school kids. And because they cannot find success and approval on their own merit, then you know what? I'm just going to get attention. And I'm just going to do crazy stuff. Uh, they're bad. Uh, look, they're bad. Um, that person is. And then they just start pointing the finger. Why? Because now, all of a sudden, there's activity going on in their life. Now they matter. They feel good about themselves when they make others feel bad. Bottom line is, I ain't playing the game. I don't got time for that game. I don't got time for it. Because you know what thing about crazy makers? They got time. They got plenty of time. And they will use, this is what someone was telling me, that sometimes... Like someone, like, well, y'all know what Twitter is, right? So someone will hit you something on Twitter. And sometimes people, like, criticize me or say stuff about me. And then some people want to defend me, okay? And I tell them, look, I learned a long, long, long time ago. That person on the other side of the computer screen, they got way more free time than you do. And they will use it, okay? And if you fire back, they got 10 firebacks ready for you. Don't play the game. I read this nice quote by this person who's speaking about this. He said, arguing with anonymous strangers on the internet is a sucker's game because they almost always, listen to this, they almost always turn out to be self-righteous 16-year-olds possessing, possessing infinite amounts of free time, and they have a whole lot more free time than you do, and they'd be happy to go on and on in this argument as long as you want. Isn't that the truth? Because they are not finding their stuff here, but now they're getting attention for this, so they're going to stay in this world as long as you're willing to engage them. I ain't got time for that. I got a lot of stuff on my plate, and you got a lot of stuff on your plate. We're not going to play that game. We're not going to sit here. My goal in life isn't to disprove the 16-year-old kid who thinks that they're the, the second coming. That's not my goal in life. I got a lot more on my plate. Thomas Paine, guy from the Revolutionary War, said this. To argue with a person who has renounced the use of reason is like administering medicine to the dead. Waste of time. King Solomon said the same thing. He said, as charcoal is to burning, Proverbs 26, 21, as charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Look, that crazy maker, they ain't going to stop being crazy anytime soon. Just forget about it. Don't play the game. Let's bypass that game. And don't get suckered in. Everyone who is playing that game, they just want to feel like they have like their cause in life. And their cause is to make you crazy. Don't play the game. Let's recap. We got our two hardest ones still left to go. Number one, our first commitment is that I refuse to be offended. Number two, I refuse to wait for an apology. Number three, I refuse to gossip. Number four, I refuse to play that game with a 16-year-old overly righteous kid on the Internet. Number five, 
I refuse to cave in. You would think, based on what I'm saying, don't play the game, don't argue, don't wait for an apology, that I'm just saying, just give in. And a lot of people have this mentality that Christianity, being like Jesus, means like, you know what, just, just that's fine. Someone wants to do whatever they want, that's fine. And we have this idea that being a doormat is what we're commanded to be. And nothing could be further from the truth. Like I said when I was talking about forgiveness, God commands us to forgive instantly. But he does not command us to trust instantly. Forgiveness is given, trust is earned. Forgiveness is given, trust is earned. We will not just give in and, and restore everything the way they want it to be until that person has earned my trust back. My forgiveness, they got that from the start. We already agreed on that in point in number two. But the trust, the restoration, that's a little bit different. This person hurts you, and it comes a point in time where you need to stand up and be meek. Stand up and be meek? Yeah, stand up and be meek. Now stand up and be weak. Christianity doesn't command us to be weak. It commands us to be meek. And a lot of us don't know what meek means. Y'all know what meekness means? When Jesus said, blessed are the meek, meekness is not the same as weakness. Meekness comes from a word which was literally used to describe how you would take a wild stallion, a wild horse, and you would tame it, and you would train it, or you would make it meek. Let me ask you a question. This horse, which was wild and now has been tamed, is it weak? Has the horse lost any of its strength? No. It's just under control of the master. And now it has someone who's pulling it and controlling it, but it ain't any, any more weak, or it isn't, I should say, any less strong than it was when it was wild. That's how we are supposed to be. Is we are not weak, we are meek. We are strength under the control of the master. In fact, if you are weak and giving in, you are disobeying the commands of the Bible. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 11, where St. Paul was rebuking the people in this city called Corinth. He was rebuking them for giving in and being weak. Look what it says, verse, chapter 11, verse 20 and 21. You put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. To our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. This last sentence, he's being sarcastic. He's saying, you guys, you allow people to push you around. You just give in. Someone comes, here I am, and I say that this is what the faith is and the church should look like. And someone else came and said, no, actually it should be this. And y'all just said, okay, okay. God's let them push you around. He's saying, I'm not as strong as you guys are. I'm too weak for that. Like he's being sarcastic with them. He's rebuking them. Christianity has nothing to do with being a doormat. Again, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, he says to them, St. Paul says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. and Do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He's saying this because, again, he came in and preached that Christ has made us free. We are free indeed. Some people came in, they were called Judaizers, who came in and said, yeah, what St. Paul said is good, but actually, don't forget about circumcision. And don't forget about keeping these laws. And don't forget about this stuff in the Old Testament. They're like, oh, okay. He says, what? Christ made you free? You're free. You don't go back and just cave in and give in to the demands of these people. Jesus himself went through this same thing. Look at this passage in Matthew 15, verse 12. Then his disciples came and said to him, listen to this. The disciples, 12 illiterate guys, came to the Son of God. Listen to what they said. Do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? <gasps> Jesus, I know you're God, and I know you created the heavens and everything in the heavens. But those guys, the cool kids over there, they didn't like what you said. They were upset at us. They might not invite us to their party. They're going to talk about us behind our back. Look what Jesus said. He said, every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Basically saying, they make themselves the cool guys. Let my father tell you who are the real cool guys. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. Y'all know what let them alone means? 
means ignore them. Ignore them. They came to Jesus, and they said, those guys, those spiritual guys, they're not happy. Tone it down a little bit. Jesus said, I ain't going to tone it down. Tone it down? I'm speaking what the Father asked me to speak, and I'm going to tone it down? Because these people didn't like what I said? Let them alone. All right, we've gone through five. Can we recap our five? Number one, I will refuse. Try to do it without looking. Okay, try to do it without looking at your paper. All right, let's see how far we get right here. We'll do like Survivor, last man standing. Number one, I refuse to be offended. Number two, I refuse. Number three, I refuse. Never that gossip stuff. Number four, I refuse. I ain't playing the game with a 16-year-old. Number five, I refuse to give in. And here's number six. Number six is a positive. That I always, 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 you can write always as many times as you want. I insist. Not I refuse. I insist. I will take the high ground. You got that? I will take the high ground. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter what you think, I will take the high ground. You will not sucker me into stooping down to your level. Someone insults you. You will not insult them back. Someone resents you. You will forgive them. You won't hold on to that resentment. Someone criticizes you. You will be very respectful. You will respond if needs to respond. If not, you will walk away. We will not ever resort to taking the low ground. You know what I discovered? The crazy makers in your lives, you cannot. You cannot control what they say. You cannot control what they think. You cannot control what they do. But you have 100% control over what you say, what you think, and what you do. 100% control over your response to their crazy-making behavior. I'll share, personal, and nobody take this in the wrong way, okay? I share when I feel like it has something that could benefit the, the multitudes, okay? I know people that hate my guts. I know people, there's people that hate my guts, and you're smiling because you know people that hate my guts too, okay? <laughs> there are people out there that don't like me. I've come to that conclusion. Like, I've accepted that that's fine. And there are some people, ordinary people, who like to criticize me. There are some priests who like to criticize me. There's even some bishops who like to criticize me. And these are all the vast majority of people I don't even know. Like, that's the funny thing. Is they don't even, I don't even know them. Like, I don't even know them. The people I know, they criticize me. And none of it is really to my face. It's all behind my back, okay? That's people that criticize me. And sometimes, honest, God knows my heart, okay? And I'm not saying this. I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? God knows my heart. Sometimes people will come to me, and they'll try to pull me in. Hey, so-and-so wrote this on their Facebook about you. Hey, so-and-so told the people in this church this. And honest, 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 honest. way I think, what you think about me in no way controls what I think about you. You, not you, them, the crazy makers, okay? The crazy makers. I know people who follow my sermons just to criticize me. I'm not joking. People who watch my sermon week after week just to criticize me, not because they want to listen, just to criticize me. What that person thinks about me in no way affects what I think about them. I'm going to respect, especially if it's a clergy, I'm going to respect them because of the position that they're given. Because that's how God, that's the position God, and I, I don't need to agree. You think this about me? That doesn't have to change what I think about you. I have control over my attitude. And one of my personal commitments to God and to myself is I will not allow you to make yourself an enemy to me. I will not. I may be an enemy to you. And you may in your eyes say, that guy's my enemy. But I will not allow you to make yourself an enemy in my eyes. And that's the commitment that all of us need to make.
That ain't easy. Don't think I'm saying that stuff is easy. And I'm sure in my times of weakness, I've had weak moments. And I'm not saying, like, I'm perfect. And I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying this is a struggle. But that's what we have to be striving for, is that I insist I always take the high ground. And you, whatever between you and God, I will not stand in front of the throne of God and have this between this. I can't. This is too valuable to me. I won't go to sleep in my bed tonight and be thinking about what you said about I can't because me putting my head on the pillow and sleeping is too important to me. This ain't easy. You struggle with this? Romans 12. You need Romans 12. You need the whole chapter of Romans 12, but I'm going to give you some selected passages from it. From verse 14 to the end. St. Paul says, Romans 12, 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Bless those who persecute you. And you may say, persecute. Cross out persecute. Right? Bless those who make you crazy. Bless those who criticize you. Bless those who gossip about you. Bless those who make you nuts. Bless those people. Forget about persecuted because we feel like we don't get persecuted. But bless those guys. Bless and do not curse. Then he goes on, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is at all possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And then now... The cream of the crop is verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That might be a good memory verse for some of us. Real love is not loving your family when they're nice to you. Real love is looking someone in the eye who is bashing you behind your back and blessing them, not cursing them. Real love is loving the people who don't deserve the love. Because that's the kind of love, that's the measure of love, is loving the people who don't deserve it. I want to finish off by asking you a hypothetical question, which I hope is not hypothetical. What would happen if? What would happen if the people of God, we, we rise up and we say, I refuse to be offended. I won't allow you to offend me. You may insult me. I won't take it personal. I know that your crazy making says more about your character than about mine. I won't take it personal. It's not about me. You're a crazy maker. Whichever person you're in front of, you're going to make them crazy because you're a crazy maker. I won't be offended. Number two, I won't wait for an apology. I will forgive because, because I need forgiveness, because God commanded it, and because in the end, I don't want to hold on to nothing that, that, that causes me stress. Number three, I refuse. I refuse to gossip. I will not gossip. I will... Bite my tongue. And if I need and I feel like it's burning, I'll tell you where you gossip. Gossip all you want in prayer. And in prayer, say, that no good, not good. go ahead, get it all out. And that means some of you, if, if I turned your gossip time into prayer time, your prayer time would increase exponentially. All of a sudden, we'd become all like the great saints of the wilderness who are praying day and night. And you would understand what it means to pray without ceasing. Won't gossip. Won't do it won't do it. And we'll hold each other accountable. And you start gossiping to me and I'll say, hey, you shouldn't. Be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll say the same to me. We'll hold each other accountable. Number four, I will not play their game. I won't play their game. They're going to try and they're going to try to sucker me in and they're going to bait me. I won't play their game. I won't bite my tongue. And again, I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go to my accountability team. I'm going to go to my friends. I'm not going to play this game. Too much in, in the world that's serious. I'm not going to waste my time with this. Number five, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give in to their demands. They wanted Jesus to stop preaching the truth. I am not going to be offended. I'm not going to wait for an apology, but I ain't going to change what I'm doing. I ain't going to change what I'm doing because what I'm doing is what God wants me to do, and I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of changing what's right. Number six, most important, I will always take the high ground. When we stand before the judge at the end of times, and he says, why do you two got a problem? And his answer is going to be nothing on this side. We'll stand before the judge because we're going to be in heaven together. We're going to be best friends together in heaven. It's going to be nothing but love. We're going to need to get along. We need to solve this issue. The issue is going to be on that side. It's not going to be on this side. What would happen? Proverbs 16, 7. I'll leave you all with this verse. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's what would happen if even our enemies find peace with them. Let's stand up for a prayer.
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for the example of love that you've set for us. And we thank you for the series that you gave us and the words of wisdom that, that you showed us like a strategy of dealing with those crazy makers. Lord, in front of you right now, we pledge. We pledge to do our best. Lord, you know we're not going to be perfect. But we are going to fight. We're going to kick. We're going to scream. We're going to do whatever it takes to keep these commitments. We don't want to fall back into the crazy-making cycle. Lord, we want to live for so much more. We want to always live in a way that's pleasing to you and that gives us peace and it gives us joy, and it gives us all the good things that you want to give to us. So give us, Lord, like the self-control that we need to keep these commitments. And most of all, to always walk on that high ground where you walked and that you led us in that path. Lord, bless each and every single person here, especially those who are struggling with relationships with crazy-making people. Bless them, Lord, and give them wisdom and give them strength and give them the ability to do all the stuff that we talked about here today. Accept our prayers in the name of your Son, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. But deliver us from the evil one, through Christ Jesus our Lord. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Before I let you go, just one quick note about the schedule over the coming weeks. Next week, Okay, we will not be in this room, okay? We will not be in this room. We will be meeting in Hazel Hall, which is the building directly connected to this building, just that way. You don't even need to go outside. Hazel Hall, room 121, all right? That's next Sunday. The following Sunday is our Palm Sunday, so we will not have the well because our church service, the liturgy is a very long service. Okay, and then the following Sunday after that is our Easter service, so we will not be having church, but we will be having a barbecue together at a very nearby park at 11 a.m., and I'll send out that information over email with all the details. And if you're not on an email list, make sure you stop by the connection desk and get yourself connected, all right? Have a great week, and I'll see you all next week in Hazel Hall, room 121.